0: stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge weekdays 1230 to 3,
1: 770 CHQR. Pope Francis says greater accountability is needed urgently, not only for those who committed these crimes, but also for those who covered them up, which in many cases means bishops.
0: So that is Greg Burke, he is a spokesman for the Vatican, and outlining the Pope's position on newly revealed details about the sex abuse scandal and its cover-up. The Pope has issued a letter to Catholics around the world, is condemning the crime of priestly sexual abuse and its cover-up, and is demanding accountability. So that's all well and good, but are these words going to translate into action? And how did it get so bad in the first place? Obviously, the Vatican is conceding that the church's credibility has taken a huge hit. And according to Burke, in that letter, Francis begs for forgiveness for the pain suffered by victims. and says Catholics must be involved in any effort to root out abuse
1: and cover up. It's significant that the Pope calls abuse a crime and not just a sin, uh, but he also acknowledges at the same time that uh, no effort to repair the damage done will ever be sufficient for, for victims and survivors.
0: So we've had more revelations as of late. We had this grand jury report in Pennsylvania, for example, last week uh, that, that lays out some pretty grim details. At least 1,000 children were victims of some 300 priests over the last 70 years and the generations of bishops failed repeatedly to take measures to protect their flock or to punish the rapists. It is a story today from NBC. More details in that grand jury report. Uh, one little tidbit that's pretty disturbing. Church officials gave a former priest a positive reference so he could work at Disney World even though they had fielded at least one allegation about him sexually abusing a boy. That former priest left the priesthood in 1990, moved to the Orlando area, and went to work at Disney World before he died in 2014. How disturbing is that? Well, joining us to talk more about these revelations, what it tells us about whether the church has really tackled this scandal— whether Pope Francis is is serious about finally bringing forward some reform. Very pleased to welcome to the program uh, Jason Barry is an investigative journalist, filmmaker, novelist, cultural historian, also an authority on these scandals in the Catholic Church. Jason, thanks so much for joining us here. Welcome to the program.
1: Thank you, Rod. Great pleasure to be with you.
0: I mean, it feels like we've been discussing this issue for for literally decades, and and yet despite that, more and more keeps coming to light. Have, Have we really learned all there is to learn about the scope of this?
1: I'm not sure we have. Uh, what's so striking about the Pennsylvania report is the the detail about the uh, sexual assaults uh, on the children, and of course we have to remember that this happened 20 and 30 years ago. So the uh, horrific details that are recounted in almost uh, a sort of granular sense in that document are about people. Who are now the walking wounded? People who are adults and who have been terribly betrayed. You know, the Pope's statement was striking to me. In one sense, it is far beyond anything his two predecessors, Benedict the Sixteenth and John Paul the uh, Second, put forth. Both of them expressed regret in much more. Well, I would say difficult language, tortured language, you might even say. But Francis refers to these as atrocities, and although we do not yet have a an agenda for what the Vatican will do, he seems to be calling uh, in a very open sense for people to send their ideas about what the Church should do. Um, one small point. The Cardinal of Houston, Texas, Daniel DiNardo, uh, has publicly called for an apostolic visitation. That basically means an investigation by the Church. Uh, this is what happened in Chile uh, prior to the, uh, all of the bishops of that country resigning. These visitations or investigations are historically done in secret with the Pope then receiving of a luminous document. And I think the only way the American Church uh, if you will, the English-speaking church, to include Canada, the United Kingdom, uh, Ireland, of course, and Australia can turn the corner, is with public hearings to make the investigation public.
0: Well, it's interesting to contrast what seems like meaningful language from the Pope to to other church apologists, notably uh, Bill Donahue of the Catholic League, who has seemed to uh, keep, <laughs> keep striking a very tone-deaf Response to all of that. I, I mean, think what,
1: that's a charitable understatement. Well, yeah, but go ahead.
0: But I mean, what do what do you make of that? I mean, there there seem to be those who who believe that there needs to be uh, you know a meaningful confrontation uh, of this this past and to come to grips with all of this this. And there were just there, there seem to be those who just keep on insisting that there's nothing to
1: see here. Well, what you have just outlined in brief is the deep division within the within the church, at least in the English-speaking countries of the world. It's a church as divided as the blue and red electorate. uh, You know, in in America, on one side, you've got Orthodox Catholics who believe fundamentally in a church of laws, and on the other side, uh, Catholics who, whatever their political beliefs may be, are much more drawn to the message of the Gospels and believe in a church of love that can evolve and learn from its uh, tremendous mistakes. Uh, Greg Burke said something important in the clip you prayed. Uh, The Pope did not refer to these as sins, but as crimes. And I think what has driven the conservatives uh, to such extremes of language is that the failure here is on the part of orthodox bishops most of them men who were vetted by John Paul and Benedict, men who, in order to become a bishop, had to pledge absolute fidelity to the pope on the birth control encyclical and on the issue of abortion. Now, I'm willing to concede abortion is a a complex topic that cuts across uh, many moral and ideological lines, but the birth control encyclical, to make a man pledged that he will fundamentally stand up for the birth control encyclical of 1968 means that that bishop goes in with about 85 percent of Catholics, and this is from many opinion polls over the years, who do not accept the teaching. So there is a, a history in the Church of the census fidelium, which means the mind of the faithful, and I think Francis in a subtle way is appealing to lay people, to raise their voices and try to join this, because the problem is the power structure. It is a calcified power structure of men without women, men who have been pledged to celibacy. And we know from the various reports that there is a, a, a severe problem with a, an expecting celibacy of men, some small number of whom are pathologically unable to lead, lead the lives of priestly witness that we expect. So I think what we really need is a root and branch investigation by lay people laying out uh, changes that the Pope himself is in a position to do. Look, one of the most important things this Pope could do is to announce that he is expanding the College of Cardinals to include women. Now, that may trigger a few gasps from some of your uh, listeners. Mm -hmm. John Paul II invited Mother Teresa to join the upcoming conclave when he was in his uh, declining years. She thanked him but said no. The Pope has the power under canon law to elevate women and put them into the College of Cardinals. It doesn't mean they become priests, because that is against... Uh, the standard that john paul himself set but the more the church gets women into positions of authority uh, on this long aching crisis i think the better the reform prospects will be it's going to take a long time
0: well how far does that go i mean you know there are more radical proposals obviously out there like allowing women priests for example do you think that it would or that, that it should come to that
1: oh, I think it would be great if there were women priests, but the, the battle over that issue has, in a sense, already been drawn. John Paul II, and I think it was 1996, issued a document in which he said that only men can be priests, and he did it on his papal authority. Uh, I've studied that document. I've written about it. Uh, there was no research of any kind. It was basically papal fiat. Now, any pope who comes along is ever mindful of, of the major positions taken by his predecessors. Popes do not like to contradict their predecessors. If anything, they quote their predecessors in um, you know the, the documents, the encyclicals, and so forth that are released. But an imaginative man, and I do think Francis is that, he is in some ways a true radical. And I don't mean a barn burner from radical, uh, you know, from from the Latin meaning first things or of the roots mm-hmm. uh, by making poor people and migrants, putting them at the center of his own agenda. Uh, he is calling people to a stance that uh, the previous popes have not done. In a sense, the time he has spent meeting with these various abuse victims uh, and the uh, radical turn he took from defending uh, the accused priest in Chile to uh, accepting the resignation of eight thus far of the 50 priests who have tendered their resignations is a sign that he recognizes a systemic crisis. Several of the cardinals closest to him the circle of nine cardinals, a great deal has been written about. Well, three of those men, this is his circle of advisors on church reform. Three of them, Cardinal Pell of Australia, uh, Cardinal Erasuriz of uh, Chile, and Cardinal Rodríguez Rodri- Rodriguez Marat, <laughs> I can never say Madriaga, of Honduras, are all now implicated in scandals. So, you know, he's going to Ireland. Mm -hmm. Two of the cardinals who were to go with him and speak with him in Ireland have pulled out. Cardinal O'Malley of Boston because of a scandal in the seminary, uh, accusations of uh, an overheated sexual environment, I guess you'd say, and um, Cardinal Donald Wuerl of Washington, D.C., who is named in the Pennsylvania report for his years as the uh, Bishop of Pittsburgh, have both now said that they will not go and will not be speaking. So in a sense, the power structure on which he has relied has betrayed him. He may not think of it that way. He may personally, privately think in terms of these fellow shepherds who are sinners as he is. I don't know. I don't presume to know what the Pope thinks. But the reality is he has been blocked in the Vatican by his attempt to establish a tribunal that would have judged bishops and cardinals. Uh, the cardinal who blocked that was Ludwig uh, Mueller of Germany, who simply wouldn't do it. And of course, he was later the pope removed him. But the only way reform happens is when you have a consensus of people within a given power structure who recognize, yes, we've got to do it. If I may draw an analogy, and I'm not trying to politicize this, but if you look at the extraordinary chain of events in Washington, D.C., where the Republican majority in the House of Representatives is standing resolutely with President Trump, who keeps attacking the Justice Department, there you have a power structure that is not in a position of reform. It's a rough parallel, but it's, it's kind of like where Francis is. The only difference is he's not like Donald Trump. My point is the more he involves lay people in this investigation. And the more he gets women into the center of the reform movement that the church needs, the better the chances he has of emerging as a pope who did something about this crisis.
0: Now, I mean, the, the church is, is a single entity, but obviously, um, you know, there, there are powerful individuals in various jurisdictions. And, and clearly, this, this scandal has been more concentrated in, in some areas than in others. But but are there examples uh, of church leaders in certain jurisdictions that have handled this better than in others?
1: That's a very good question, uh, Rod. I, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a yes. They're, they're, they are here and there. Mm-hmm. The one who comes most immediately to mind to me is um, the Archbishop of uh, Dublin. Um, his his stance has been so uh, consistently uh, uh, at one with the values and the struggles of the survivors, uh, and yet he has not been made a cardinal. Uh, that's one. Um, you know, some of the American bishops from time to time, the late Raymond Hunthausen, uh, Seattle, was the first one to uh, attempt to bring about some rapprochement. Um uh, and I'm sure there are others. The, you know, the real problem is that the bishops, are, the bishops are like a military caste, and I don't mean that in any denigrating way about generals or, or colonels, but they, they are trained to be obedient to a given pope. And in the case of John Paul and in the case of Benedict, they did not get the leadership that they should have gotten to tackle this problem. And instead, it was sort of every man for yourself. Finally, in 2002, when the Boston Globe uh, series began, the American bishops adopted a a youth protection charter. It's about the best document thus far the church has produced, at least on paper, but it has no enforcement mechanism for bishops who do do not abide by it. the real answer to your question, my friend, is that the, the visionaries in this church, in my opinion, uh, are the nuns, the religious sisters who have consistently uh, in, in maintaining uh, work in the third world. In Italy, I, I did stories uh, three years ago of uh, nuns in Italy who are taking in uh, prostitutes, many of them from Nigeria, and giving them shelter. I mean, these are these are women who are at the margins of the Church. And uh, Elizabeth Johnson, uh, the theologian who recently retired from Fordham, has written brilliantly about the fate of the earth and the responsibility of Christianity and humankind in general uh, to maintain the, the health of the waters and, and the earth. Francis' statement in his uh, ecological uh, encyclical about the lungs of the earth being in the rainforests, this is echoing what uh, Sister Johnson has said. So have there been bishops? No, not many who have done it, but I think there is a a, a, a lineage of voices out there and, and thinkers and writers who have pointed toward a more just church, but they haven't gotten the attention of the pope and certainly not the news media.
0: All right, very interesting. Well, much more at your website, JasonBerryAuthor.com. Uh, thanks so much for your insight on this. Really appreciate you joining us here today.
1: Thank you. It's been my pleasure.
0: Take care. Uh, Jason Berry, investigative journalist, uh, novelist, uh, and authority uh, on these matters. Uh, JasonBerryAuthor.com. Our number here, 974-8255. I'm back with more right after this.
1: Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.